0: Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Scuzz, your darn tootin' scouse bone. <laughs> that's right. Oh, jeez. Do- oh, don't you know. For sure. <laughs> uh, that's right. It's, it's gopher time. Um, PJ Fleck and the Flecktones. Uh... We head up to the frozen wastelands of <laughs> Minneapolis. <laughs> I mean it, Hey, it's either g- you know g- it's give me either a better a adjective. Twenty what good below
1: ever came out of that place is what I'm saying. E-
2: it's either twenty below or you're fighting off mosquitoes the size of your head. I mean that's like there are seventy two beautiful days a year up there. They're quite beautiful, it's a lovely city, but not for me anymore.
0: <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the Gophers, um, we're talking about them tonight, uh, real fascinating team. Like, you know, you listen to a lot of the national, uh, pods and previews and stuff, and people are generally pretty high on the Gophers going into this season, but I just never know what to make of them. So, uh, John, can you run us through their defense?
1: Okay. So I've basically had the Gophers circled for like a month and a half ever since I started, you know, June, June. Early June, whenever I started researching these to knock out all the previews this year, I've just had the Gophers circled because I've almost been dreading getting to this team. But kind of in the same way, I'm really fascinated. And what all this means is Minnesota last year should be proof to all of us that we're not living in the matrix. Okay, life is not a simulation. Things do not always proceed according to any kind of logic or form. Absolute ridiculousness can totally happen. Um, And occasionally doing these defensive previews can make me look like an absolute idiot. So here we go. The Minnesota Gophers defense in 2020, Minnesota gave up 6.3 yards per carry on the ground last year, 3.4 yards per carry in 2020. Minnesota had the number 12 run defense in the conference. Last year, they had the number two run D in the conference. In 2020, Minnesota was a bottom five defense in the conference in every category except pass defense. In 2021, Minnesota statistically was clearly in every way the second best defense in the conference. This was the number three total defense in the country, for God's sakes. This would all be ludicrous enough on its own. But the kicker is that the GOFs somehow made this titanic shift with the exact same guys as the year before. And the ridiculousness doesn't stop there. Minnesota ranked 10th in the conference this past season in both sacks And interceptions. Only one gopher had more than 85 tackles. No gopher had more than 92 tackles. No gopher had more than 7 sacks. Only two players had more than 3 sacks. No gopher had more than 10 tackles for loss. Only two had more than 4.5 tackles for loss. Are you getting what I'm saying here? On paper, this doesn't look like a defense that did much. And it wasn't supposed to be a defense that did much. My entire thesis for the Gophers for several years has been this gradual but very constant descent from strength to lousiness on defense in the the row-the-boat era, and then this happens. But when you dig into this, a couple of things really start to be apparent. Number one, okay, Minnesota was definitely good at a couple of things. Number two, much more important than number one, their schedule did them massive favors. And three, just as important, if not more important than two, is the secret sauce of what this Minnesota team was overall last year. So we're gonna go three, two, one in reverse order here and start with thing number three. And Scuzz, let me just say right now that I hate to step on anything you're gonna be saying in a little bit. I just have to do this so that people understand what the F was going on defensively with this team last year. So Scuzz, I'm just going to say right now, anything I'm about to say, you want to jump in, jump in at any point. Minnesota finished 27th in the nation in rushing last year. The Gophers had a lower average per carry last year than every other team in the top 40 except for Navy. We know Minnesota was a mash unit at running back last year, but if you look at the stats, you see a bunch of guys averaging about five yards a carry, and then a quarterback who had 59 carries for negative nine net yards, despite being the 31st least sacked QB in the country. So this team would get five yards, and then they'd get another five yards, or another four yards, and then they'd throw their like, wide shouldered quarterback into the line to get one more, and then they'd move the chains. And then they do it again. Most college football teams approach a
2: close to 50-50, maybe like 55-45 split on running to pass, right? The Gophers threw the ball 257 times last year, or attempted 257 passes last year. The Gophers ran the ball
1: 601 times (laughs) last year. Whoa, exactly. And you know what that got them? They were the time lords of the FBS, third in the nation in time of possession, right behind Air Force and Army and right ahead of Navy. That's the kind of football team this was, i.e., no one ever had the ball when they played Minnesota, which sounds like a gross oversimplification, except no, it is not. Because now we arrive at number two on the list, Minnesota's schedule. Now, a bunch of you are jumping ahead right now, and you're thinking, John's about to say Minnesota played a bunch of crap offenses. Well, so did Northwestern, and look how we did. Well, first of all, I'd submit to you that if we could have run the ball the way Minnesota did, things might have been a little bit different. But much more importantly, I need to make you all aware of Minnesota's 2021 schedule in full. Because sweet heavenly crap. Minnesota played Colorado, Northwestern, Indiana, Iowa, Illinois, and Bowling Green. That's six teams, only two of whom Northwestern played. That's half of Minnesota's season. Average total offensive rank nationally of those six teams. Are you sitting down 120th in the nation? Some of you out there didn't know there were 120 teams in the nation. The average offensive rank of those six teams, 120. That's half the teams the Gophers played. That doesn't even include Wisconsin, the number 88 offense in the country. So to recap, gather this all up, okay? Minnesota possessed the ball for light years at a time and... Over half the teams they played, not do ball move good, okay? <laughs> all of this may point to an absolutely huge fall from grace for this Minnesota D in 2022. Because getting all the way back to think number one, Minnesota loses almost all of its best guys. That starts up front. Defensive end Boye Mafe was obviously the headliner. He led the Gophers in sacks and TFLs. He commanded double teams on his way to becoming a second-round NFL draft pick. But Minnesota also loses its best linebacker, Jack Gibbons, who had more than twice as many tackles as all but two other Gophers. And in the secondary, Minnesota loses its best corner, All-Big Ten honorable mention Corey Dirk. The Gophers do return the ever-present Mariano Sori martin at linebacker, and they do have a freshman All-America cornerback in Justin Wally. But Minnesota loses its entire two-deep on the defensive line, except for two guys. There are some transfers coming in. I mean, one of them's from Vanderbilt, so that ought to give you a little bit of an idea. So ultimately, this does not look like a good defense on paper in any way. It didn't look like a good defense on paper, really, in most ways last year, and this is a significantly worse team than that team. Um, Reasonably, this is probably the ninth or 10th best defense in the conference. It could be worse than that. Northwestern can both run and throw on this defense, which will do no one particular thing well next year. But the thing is, the Gophers still play Colorado this year, and two horrific non-P5 teams... And their crossover games, by and large, are an offensive train wreck. And the West is still the rest. And maybe, whatever, depending on what Scud says, they can still plow for yards on the ground. So my conclusion at the end of the day is, who's to say? Maybe this Minnesota defense just cons everybody a second time in a row. So here, like, I'm just looking at
2: their passing, D. And the numbers looked pretty good last year because all the defensive numbers did. They returned both safeties. Plus Wally that you mentioned, like, like it's an, it is an interesting parallel to Northwestern where like we think on defense, our secondary is going to be the strength and, and running the ball against us is going to be, you know, how, how the bread's buttered seems like Minnesota
1: would be similar. Yeah. I mean, it's like, but then they, I mean, it's like, you know, eventually this season we're going to get to Purdue and, Obviously, Purdue's a team that like their entire defense was kind of geared around one guy. Minnesota, to a little bit of a lesser extent, was that way with Boye Mafe. I mean, like he to the extent that they had a pass rush rush engine, but it's it's just honestly like this team didn't really play hardly any dynamic offenses. I mean, like they played the the Buckeyes in week one Buckeyes hung 45 on them. And anyone who watched that game kind of knows that CJ Stroud kind of lost the plot in the second half of that game. And that's all that kept the Buckeyes from scoring way more than 45 points. Um, so it's again, it's like, I don't, they're not like, this feels like a lower half defense. Absolutely. In the big 10, but the numbers in so many ways should have backed it up last year. But again, it's like, it's, you know, this is where I'll be really interested to hear what you have to say, Scuzz, because I mean, like so much of what drove this entire engine was on that side of the ball.
0: So let's, let's talk about that side of the ball. I mean, Tanner Morgan's back for his, what, 12th season, 13th. He's <laughs> been back. He's been back so
1: long that I feel like maybe you made that joke last season. That's I that did make that mean. joke last season. I absolutely did. It <laughs> might be your favorite joke.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's he's up there. To be
1: fair, Tanner Morgan has been around a long time. <laughs> it's his 5th year. Um,
2: and you know, this year I think he's got a he's got a new NIL sponsor. Uh, it's the whole Sesame Street crew highlighting his career progression with their song, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> okay that is a direct reference to his rocket ship 2019 where he threw for 30 touchdowns uh, averaged over 10 yards per attempt and it looks more like an outlier every day as his stats in 2018 2020 and 2021 are now virtual clones of one another uh, I said last season that perhaps a full season of uh, the new offensive coordinator, Mike Sanford, would allow Morgan to split the difference between that awesome 2019 and, and, and a rough 2020 getting to like the low sixties of completion percentage and like a two to one TD to pick ratio. Uh, instead his TD rate actually dropped a little bit. The TD to pick ratio worsened and the completion percentage in yards per attempt only improved marginally. Certainly some of that was due to the loss of Mo. Uh, I always mess up his last name. How do you say it? Ibrahim. Ibrahim. Thank you. Little one, two, three. Certainly some of that was the loss of Mo Ibrahim, Ibrahim, uh, who who absolutely was bludgeoning the Buckeye defense uh, when his knee was injured in that first game of the season. But I think my thesis last year that Sanford is not a very good offensive coach is a bit more on the nose. Ah, uh, the Goats also have struggled to find the right group of receivers for Morgan since uh, Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman were so good in that 2019 year. Um, you know they have talent uh, in the receiver corps, but the combination of the scheme, the play calling, that talent, um, some some of the injuries, they they just have not produced the difficult matchups and the pick your poison fright that that 20 te- 2019 team elicited. So now this year, um, yes, Morgan is back, Ibrahim is back. Uh, there's some talent in the receiver core. Most of the guys returned from last year. They lose a couple of big offensive linemen, but maybe more important than any of that is the return of Kirk Chiraca, Uh offensive coordinator. The prodigal son returns to Minnesota. Uh, he's back after what was one really tough year at Penn State, after which he got fired and then a year off. Um, he has well, gotten he, he was at uh, he
0: was an analyst at West Virginia last year.
2: Oh, was that it? Okay. I thought he, I thought he, I I didn't think he worked anywhere, but I guess, I guess he went out to, uh, to Morgantown. Um, well, and he still has, uh, he gets to, 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 you know, coach Tanner Morgan for, uh, for one last rodeo. Um, he's got probably the second best running back in the big 10 in Ibrahim. Like after, after Henderson at, uh, at Ohio state, I'm not, I'm not sure who's better. Um, at least in a singular talent, right? Uh, they've got, you know, I mentioned that they they get a lot of guys back in the receiver court last year's top five pass catchers. And while they were kind of unspectacular in that season, uh, they're back. And then, um, there are some, you know, some pieces on the offensive line, although that's where they, they have their big losses. So I don't know, there's, there's this could spell offensive improvement, um, And the fall wasn't, you know, too bad last year. They were down two points from, from their 2020 numbers, but, um, down almost 10 points per game from that, from that awesome 2019 season. So let's start with, uh, Ibrahim. I love watching this dude run. He is just so good, so strong. He's got great vision. His injury last year was a huge bummer for all of us as football fans. Um, I really hope that he is back at full strength and speed this year, but there's a good chance that he won't be, um, you know, we typically see players come back from ACL injuries within a calendar year now. Well, this, not, this was Achilles. Not... Oh, it's an Achilles. Well, same deal, right? Like yeah. Achilles. Yeah, and he's um, just
1: been, and yeah. he's been a guy who's just been beaten up anyway, right? Yes, like he's before this season had a lot of carries. So I
2: mean, Achilles takes you back to Dan Persa, right? Um, Persa came back a year, maybe just under a year after that injury, um, was not himself for several games. Um, maybe not at all, all year. So they, the Gophers will have to balance the load for, for Mo. Uh, luckily they have some really experienced options in Trey Potts and Bryce Williams, but I think, um, everybody should look out for top offensive recruit Zach Evans to get some run. Uh, this is a true freshman who had offers from Texas, Iowa, Notre Dame, and Utah, among others. Um, at the very least, he looks to be the heir apparent for Abraham. but, um, I think he's probably going to be a complimentary piece this year, especially given that, that, that need to, to manage uh, the load uh, offensive line. Like I mentioned, some big losses, my comment going to last year, you know, they were getting back a couple of their best players like Daniel Falale, uh, who had sat out in 2020 and that they were going to be possibly the best run blocking unit in the conference, but could potentially backslide and pass pro. It had been a problem in prior years and, um, and it panned out. I mean, it turns out, you know, when you have a 400 pound left tackle, He's really good at steamrolling guys on running plays, um, but fast defensive ends can get around him. And that's exactly what happened. Um, now they weren't quite as effective throughout the year uh, with the injuries at running back, but they did a really great job retaining the run game. The pass pro slipped though, 22 sacks. They had a bottom 20% sack rate in college football. Um, it, it just, you know, I think adding to the the issue of the run oriented tackles is a slow quarterback um john mentioned it earlier but morgan's rushing stats adjusted for sacks were negative yeah so they lose a lot from this group uh Falale was a was a fourth round draft choice and they lost three additional starters to graduation the center is the only returner they do get two solid guys uh, for the right side of the line through the portal from michigan and notre dame left guard is going to be an experienced senior but left tackle is a redshirt freshman I suspect pass protection may be an issue again, but the running game, I i mean, it should come together just fine. There was a little drop-off in 2020, the last time they had a fair amount of turnover in their starters, and they're just really good at running the ball at Minnesota. I mean, you know, they ran it 601 times last year. They dominated clock, as John was outlining. This is this is their bread and butter, and they should still be pretty good at it uh, in, in 2022. Uh, wide receiver is what makes or breaks this team for me. So everyone is back. Chris Ottman bell the one holdover from that 2019 team, he's been top dog uh, since Bateman opted out midway through the 2020 season, but he just does not look like a number one receiver. He struggles without a two a true deep threat lining up beside him to open things up, and he is not able to stretch the field on his own. Um, now, Mike Brown Stevens was uh, decent in a secondary role last year. He averaged 17 yards per catch. Dylan Wright is the X factor, though. This guy was the four-star transfer from AM. and uh, He looked like a Bateman replacement uh, going into last year, but he couldn't get on the field or stay on the field consistently. He only caught 18 balls. Um, he averaged over 20 per catch, but he just wasn't effective or, or enough or used often enough. Uh, so this is where I think uh, Chiraka has his work really cut out for him. He's Chiraca is is exceptional. His offense is um, makes exceptional exceptional use of RPOs. And for a fast guy like Wright, if if his hands are good, they will find ways to get him in space and get him and, and get him the ball. Morgan was an expert at running that type of offense uh, three years ago. Uh, if if Wright remains hit and miss, though, there's very little behind uh, behind him or um, uh, Otman Bell for Chirico to turn to. I mean, the, the the depth here at wide receiver is just. There's, there's not a lot of guys that stand out um, either in a physical or, or recruiting standpoint. So, in that downside scenario, while the Gophers should be more efficient overall, going back to Sharaka and his offense, um, I, feel, I think they'll lack the explosive power to really improve much and contend for the division. I could be wrong. Maybe it's you know 2019 all over again, and um, they're able to really give you know Iowa and Wisconsin a run for their money. But I have a sense, especially with that likely drop drop back on defense, that um, this, this team is looking to play spoiler as opposed to uh,
0: anything else. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Simson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients, no fee unless he wins. The Simpson Law Group, compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SimpsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go cats. So let's run through their, their schedule. I mean, we kind of, you guys kind of hinted at it a little bit, but they opened up the season at home against New Mexico State and Western Illinois and the aforementioned Colorado Buffaloes, um,
1: Sam. I don't mean to cast shade when I say that's a ton of creamy frosting. That's oh, not my intent.
0: Colorado's terrible. Like that, they. I was so wrong on them last season, and they were they were terrible. Uh, no reason to think they're going to be any better this year. Uh, they hit the road to play Michigan State before coming home to play Purdue. Then they're at Illinois and Penn State. Home against Rutgers at Nebraska a two game set against us and then Iowa and then they finish up the season uh at Wisconsin uh for the Axe the Paul Bunyan's Axe um so yeah i mean the the first three games are cream puff that's kind of how minnesota rolls um all three at home but then like like you said their crossovers are Michigan State Penn State and Rutgers um you know they're at Wisconsin at Nebraska Home for Iowa, at Illinois, home for Purdue. You know, it, it it's hard to really like point out exactly where everything's going to fall apart for them. But uh, you know, I could see a good season here. I could see a bad season here. I think it's it's
2: those three road games for me because if you you know the non-con Purdue, us and Rutgers at home. I mean that's that's a recipe you know for six wins or getting close. But then at Illinois, at Penn State, at Nebraska—that's like the next, the next tier. I think it's going to be really hard for them to get any of those, frankly, um, un- un- unless they do see, you know, kind of the offensive jump that um, Chiro- they're hoping for bringing Sharocke back.
1: Yeah, we've, you know, I don't think we've ever had a formal discussion about this, but I think as we've done these previews and it's kind of co- you know, started to coalesce. I-, I think if we were all, you know, like really like put really put to it, I feel like Wisconsin is probably the team that we would pick as most likely to win the West here, but boy, everyone, including them sure has a lot of warts and Minnesota's no exception. So it's like my instinct is to be like, well, this team really belongs more in that Purdue, Illinois category. And we're going to see a lot based on their, those two games. I, you know, on the, on the flip side side it's not like, I don't think that they could potentially give Iowa and Wisconsin a game. Um, and I think that's just because as much as Minnesota loses, you know, I just don't know like what Iowa's was going to produce on, on offense. The fascinating thing for me though, <clears throat> with Minnesota is truly there was this, you know, I, I mentioned in the defensive preview, this like secret sauce. There was this perfect synthesis the team had where somehow this ridiculous ability to run, um, collided with their really weak schedule and honestly like they still have a pretty weak schedule overall i mean it's like there's they have they draw michigan state on the road like scuzz said in that crossover but aside from that i mean they couldn't have asked for for too much more when you factor in i think the the kind of issues that penn state might have offensively so the the other interesting thing and scuzz i don't think we even brought this up but we were talking about it where on one hand, Minnesota loses all these guys, and I know you mentioned the transfers, but one of the things that, that we've talked about off the pod is that if you juxtapose, juxtapose like the Minnesota O-line too deep to like the Iowa O-line too deep, it almost looks like Minnesota stealing all of Iowa's guys. Like you, like you can, we, we, we were joking about this amongst ourselves. You can basically constitute an entire extra offensive lineman just by the weight difference between all the Minnesota guys and all the Iowa guys. Like, I don't know what happened.
2: The starting Minnesota line averages roughly 25, uh, 25 pounds heavier.
0: Yeah. So it's just bonkers. I'm still baffled by that Iowa number from, that you you mentioned in the Iowa preview that's just still baffling yeah. to me so so it's like they you know if you look at Minnesota like they get
1: Purdue they get uh Illinois which again you know although big asterisk there like kind of put a pin in that one but they get Rutgers they get us they get that whole non-con um And I really think, you know, despite having to replace all these guys, they're still just going to be able to hammer teams on the ground. I mean, I think we saw, like Scuzz mentioned, like, yeah, Ibrahim's probably, you're not going to get a full season out of that guy. I doubt it. But, you know, they've got the bodies. Pop quiz for you guys. When is the last time Minnesota beat Iowa? Oh, God,
0: has it been a long time? I don't even know. I feel like, didn't they do it recently? But it was like their first time in a long time. I don't even know. I'm
1: going to say no based on Scuzz's tone. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess I gave it away. Uh, 2014. Wow. Oh, wow. Which happened to be the year before P.J. Fleck arrived. He has never beaten Iowa. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's – and the thing is, again, I feel like – you know, I'm couching again. Like I don't think this Minnesota D, although Scuzz mentioned, a half-decent secondary. They don't have a heck of a lot else. I hate to trigger you all, but I think we've seen what happens when you can have a good secondary, but not a heck of a lot else, and and what the way that that can go, um, and I think the the other piece of it too is again I just so many things locked perfectly like Minnesota was a puzzle last year, and somehow all the pieces fit together perfectly and. I I know there are a lot of the same signs this year. I just don't know that it's all going to fit together like that. And if it doesn't, I think you'll see that that Minnesota's going to have a lot of trouble repeating even what they did last year. But on the flip side, they're just one more team with some warts in an entire West with warts. And that Penn State game could be ugly and, you know, low scoring potentially. And then, you know, we're going to kind of see. And I think, you know, I still think they can just plow Rutgers. So... Yeah, I don't know. I I I think that Purdue and that Illinois game to me are going to really teach us a lot about what this Minnesota team is.
0: So ceiling, they could they could win the West. Could they? I don't. I mean, I think it's a stretch.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, it's so stupid though because it's like if everything locks into place. I mean, you asking me how many games on their schedule they can win? <laughs> I mean, theoretically, all of them except Michigan state. I mean, they beat the Badgers last year, but I mean, do I think they're going to get anywhere close to that? No, I don't. Even in 2019, they lost to Wisconsin and like, yeah.
2: like, so flex two and four against the Badgers. Uh, he got him in, in 2018, which is, I think if I'm recalling, was just a horrific Wisconsin season. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that was when they went 8 and 5. Um so so got him there and got him in 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 2021 last season. But I mean if you, if you think about Wisconsin with the exception of like the talent at wide receiver and maybe in and the QB, um I feel like Wisconsin's kind of marginally better on offense and way better on defense.
1: Yeah, I'm like in and the thing is with Minnesota it's like If you tell me, all right, here's a team and they can't throw and they can't really play defense. Now run like a, you know, 100 simulations of this. Last season was as good as it possibly could have worked for Minnesota. And now I'm telling you this defense is clearly even worse. So, and, and, you know, like I said, I believe that they're going to run the ball well. I just don't know. They don't have Falele anymore. So I don't know if they're going to be as good running the ball. So I don't know. This feels like seven or eight to me. I mean, again, their schedule is pretty nice, but um, I, I don't see anything above that.
0: How low could it go? Five?
1: Yeah, not and not lower. Like, again, there are, I count, I mean, there are five teams uh, that this team's capable of absolutely hammering on the ground, and... I'm not going to elaborate as to exactly who's in that group of five teams.
0: (laughs) All right. So um, anything else on the goofs? Just, again, just it is so weird that this Minnesota
1: got to play six teams last year, half of their regular season schedule with an average offensive rank of 120th in the country. And yeah, we were part of that group, but I mean... What more can you ask for in a season? I mean, lightning's not going to strike twice like that for any team.
2: I'll throw it out there: uh, November twelfth in, uh, in Minneapolis. I am tentatively planning to be there. Um, so, if anybody wants to hang out, give me a shout. You can hang out, with I, like me and my
1: gopher-clad father. I hear many. I hear Minneapolis is beautiful that time of year. Just yeah, it's gonna be cold as shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, well, let's go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlawpirates. And email the show, westlawpirates, at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the West Lauderdale field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skousby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.